Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. It's Super Bowl Sunday, so this week our podcast features an episode of Jack Benny called He Fumbled the Ball. It first aired on November 16, 1941. And brought to you by Jello and Jello Pudding, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with Jump for Joy. What rich, thrilling enjoyment you get from today's new Jell-O. Now made better than ever by Jell-O's wonderful locked-in flavor. Here's one of the biggest improvements ever made in gelatin desserts. A new scientific method by which Jell-O's full original goodness is locked right into the tiny Jell-O particles. The gelatin desserts you used to buy continually lost flavor during the days they spent in the package. They became flat and tasteless as time stole away their freshness. But the new Jell-O is different. Today, all of Jell-O's bright, tingling flavor is locked into Jell-O's crystal-like particles, locked in for keeps where time can't touch it, no matter how long your Jell-O remains in the package. Just prove it for yourself. Open a package of Jell-O. Notice there's no heavy, fruity aroma that tells of escaping flavor. Then dissolve the Jell-O, and presto, you unlock its captive delight, and out falls a delicious flood of flavor. Don't wait another day to try it, friends. Order several packages of the new Jell-O tomorrow. The flavor never goes away. We put it in, and it's there to stay. That was Jump for Joy, played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, and no doubt most of you will have turkey for dinner. That's right. So this evening, without further ado, we bring you a chestnut for your dressing, Jack Benny. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, thank you. Jello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, thanks so much for that introduction. <laughs> it was not only topical, but flopical. <laughs> Chestnut for your dressing. Well, in my opinion, Jack, it was a very clever gag. I thought of it all by myself while I was shaving this morning. And you didn't cut your throat? I can't understand it. <laughs> Anyhow, Don, it'll uh, soon be Thanksgiving, and I love you. By the way, uh, would you and the little woman like to come over to my house next Thursday for a nice wild duck dinner? Thanks, Jack. We'll be very glad to. Wild duck, huh? Yep, I went hunting yesterday morning, and as usual, I brought home the limit, three ducks. Beauties, too. Huh? But, Jack, the limit is ten ducks. Oh, I mean on one shot, Don. I... <laughs> you see, I don't go out hunting and bang away like it's Fourth of July, you know. Three ducks with one shot. My goodness, I had no idea you were such an expert hunter. Oh, sure, Don. For me, that's nothing, you know. Well, I'd say that's darn good. By the way, Jack, what kind of a gun do you use? My... my gun? Oh, it's just a plain, ordinary, double-breasted shotgun. <laughs> It, uh, it does the trick, though. You mean double barrel, don't you? What? Oh, oh, yes, double barrel. It's a Westchester. Well, this I is I never miss with it. You know, I really never, never miss it. This certainly is news. Benny the Sportsman. 
Tell me, what'd you get yesterday? Mallards or canvas bags? I... I beg pardon, I... <laughs> uh, what was that? I said, what did you get? Mallards or canvas bags? Yes, sir. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, I want to tell you something, Don. <laughs> well, what were they? Mallards or canvas bags? They were duck quack quack. <laughs> if you don't want to come to dinner, say so. Hmm. I suppose every time I shoot a duck, I have to go up to him and say, my name is Benny, what's yours? <laughs> oh, don't be ridiculous. Well, I'm sorry, Jack. I didn't mean to... Okay, okay, forget it. But believe me, Don, there's no thrill in the world like getting out at five in the morning, hopping into that rowboat and waiting for those ducks to fly by. Yes, there's no question about it. That's real excitement. By the way, Jack, uh, do you use a retriever? Well, I, uh, beg pardon, Don? Do I use a what? A retriever, you know, a dog that swims out and gets the ducks after you shoot them. A dog, a dog that swims... Say, that's an idea! <laughs> That'll save Rochester from getting wet all the time. <laughs> Wait till I tell him, huh? Why, Jack, you don't mean to say that Rochester jumps into that cold water. Yes, and he brings back those ducks without a tooth mark on them. <laughs> Except once when I accidentally hit him on top of the head with an oar. <laughs> anyway, Don, be sure and come to dinner and you'll taste the finest. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello, Don. Hello, Mama. Mama? Yeah, she finally got a radio set. Oh. Hello, Mama. Keep up the payment. <laughs> See, now she can listen to us. Oh, say, Mary, I went out hunting yesterday, and I brought you a little present. Here you are, some beautiful duck feathers. Here. What do I want with duck feathers? You can put them on a hat or something. What can I do with them? Glue them on your chest. It's going to be a cold winter. <laughs> uh, they'll just fit on my tattooed eagle. I can go along with a gag, sister. <laughs> anyway, if you don't want them, I'll give them to Dennis. He'll think of something. Where'd you get those feathers anyway? I told you, I went hunting yesterday. I go every year. Remember last year when, uh, Paul, when you were with me? Oh, yes. <laughs> Did you tell Don what happened? Never mind. What was it, Mary? Jack was in a rowboat when some ducks flew by, and boy, was he excited. Oh. So he pulled the trigger too quick, shot a hole in the boat, and came home with 18 trout. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were delicious. Fried and butter. And the way you explain that hole to the owner of the boat. Well, it could have happened. It could not. It could, too. How can a boat be torpedoed in Lake Henshaw? <laughs> All right, forget it. it was years ago. And that's the last time I'll ever take you ducking. Oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. Well, kids, here's your tickets. Front row center. Best in the house. Tickets? What tickets? Here, Mary, now look. Hold them till Wednesday night and get there early. I don't want you to miss a thing. Wait a minute, Phil. What are those tickets for? Well, it says right there on them. And you guys don't think I can act, huh? Well, I'll be done. Get a load of this, fellas. The Hollywood Night School, third grade dramatic club, <laughs> invites you to a special Thanksgiving play entitled The Courtship of Miles Standish. Well, who are you, Phil? Miles Standish? Now, let her read it. Go ahead, Mary. This play stars Willie Shapiro as Miles Standish. Hmm. Butch Peterson as John Alden. Go on, go on. <laughs> And Philip Harris as Priscilla. <laughs> Priscilla? That's me. I'm the heroine. 
heroin. Heroin. So, uh, Phil, um... <laughs> Phil, uh, you take the girls' part, eh? Yeah, ain't that a novelty? Well, not exactly, Phil. If you remember, I recently played the female lead in Charlie's Aunt. Yeah, but you were an old bag. I'm young and tender. <laughs> Listen, Harris, I'll put on a sweater with you any day. <laughs> any day, brother. The courtship of Miles Standish, eh? Say, that ought to be very interesting, Phil. Yeah, now look, fellas, get this plot. Miles Standish is the captain of the soldiers in Plymouth, Mass. And he knows plenty about fighting them Indians. But when it comes to clinching with a blonde, the kid ain't half. Uh-huh. Anyhow, Captain Standish sees this beautiful doll, Priscilla. That's me with my curls combed out. Hmm. And I'm sitting by the window in my cottage spinning a wheel. What are you doing, playing roulette? I don't know. I don't say. Isn't that awful? Anyhow, Phil, don't tell us the plot now. You'll spoil the surprise. What a character. Oh, Mary, would you mind telling our beautiful young pilgrim maiden to put down her spinning wheel and direct a band number? Why don't you speak for yourself, Jackson? <laughs> oh, go. Go ahead and play, will you? Uh, hold it, Prissy. <laughs> Come in. Telegram for Mary Livingston. Right here, bud. Give him a tip, will you, Jack? Give him a tip. Give him a tip. Well, it's your program. Okay, okay. Here you are, bud. Oh, goody, a ticket to Miles Standish. <laughs> Get out of here. Every time I look at his head, I want to play tic-tac-toe. <laughs> Who's the wire from, Mary? It's from Mama. Dear Mary, program coming in fine. How can Jack have the heart to shoot a duck when he walks like one? <laughs> well, the old battle axe is still punching him out. <clears throat> Belly Laugh Barton gave us that gag. Play, Phil. Why did she have to buy a radio?
time, the dreams on me played by Pilgrim Harris and his Plymouth Rocks. Plymouth meaning the boys have landed musically, and Rocks meaning I wish I had some. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, as we announced last Sunday, the football season being in full swing, tonight the Benny Athletic Actors will present their annual drama of the gridiron entitled He Fumbled the Ball, or Who Tickled the Tackle. <laughs> Now, as usual, I will play the part of Dennis. Dennis, I wish you'd get here on time. I'm sorry I'm late, Mr. Benny, but I couldn't find a place to park my car. Dennis, you don't have to drive around the streets all day. There's a parking lot next door where you can leave your car for 15 cents. How do you know? I heard about it. <laughs> I can go along with a gag. Now, where was I? Say, Mr. Benny. What? I heard a broadcast last night that made my blood boil. It ought to burn you up, too. Why, who was funny? I mean, what, uh... What do you mean? Well, I was over at my girl's house necking with her, and she got bored and turned on the radio. Well, naturally. So? So we listened, and there was a guy on the air that sounded just like you, and he even used your name, Jack Benny. Uh, Dennis, uh, that was me on the air last night. I was doing a special broadcast for NBC's 15th anniversary. Then who played the part of Don Wilson? That was Wilson himself. And if you'd have been with us, I'd still have to explain it to you. Gosh, was that really you and Don? Certainly. We did a comedy act. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Gee, it was so lousy, I couldn't believe it. You just, you just didn't get the idea of our act. We were very good. Then why did my girl turn off the radio and go back to me? I don't know. <laughs> what a kid. And now, ladies and gentlemen, getting back to our drama, I will play the part of Flash Benny, the famous football coach of Flatfoot College. Oh, Jack, why don't you let someone else be the coach? You don't know anything about football. I don't, eh? Let me tell you something. When I was on the team at Waukegan High, they used to call me Tiger Benny. That's because you scratched everybody with your long fingernails. They called me Tiger because when I played, I was a snarling, vicious animal. Like on payday? <laughs> what was that, Dennis? What was that? Watch out for those fingernails, kid. No quiet. Now, let's get back to our casting. Phil, you're going to be right end. Dennis, you're going to be left end. And Don... Yes, Jack? You're going to be everybody in between... So loosen your belt. Now, Mary... You mean I'm going to be right guard, left guard, right tackle, left tackle, and center? Yes. Well, I must be quite an actor. Uh, take it any way you want to. Uh, now, Mary, inasmuch as we're short of men, uh, you'll have to play on the team, too. I'm not going to be a man. You are, too. I'm not going to wear football pants. And you're going to wear football pants. They better have lace on them. Never mind. Ooh, what she said. <laughs> Dennis. No use talking. I must have a talk with that kid. Now, I'll play. Now, I... Dennis, did you ever see Our Wilderness? You must see it sometime. Now, our, um, our play, ladies and gentlemen, will go on immediately after... I'll take it. 
Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Well, what is it? I was looking at those ducks you shot yesterday, and you know, boss, they're pretty small. Yes, they are small. In fact, they ain't ducks at all. They're pigeons. <laughs> Look, Rochester, I ought to know what I shot. What makes you think they're pigeons? One of them's got a message on his right leg. <laughs> what? Just took Manila. Signed, Dewey. <laughs> Boss, those birds are going to be tough. Oh, some kid must have put that message on for a gag. I still insist they're ducks and we're going to have them for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Now take them out of the icebox and dress them. I'll have to wait till you get here, boss. They're so full of buckshot, I can't lift them alone. <laughs> well, then, then ask Mr. Billingsley to help you. Where is he? He took the message and he's flying to Washington. <laughs> Well, for heaven's sake, stop him. Stop him. Too late now. He put the electric fan on his head and jumped off the roof. Oh, my goodness. And what happened? His feet are sticking out of the rain barrel. Well, get him out of there. I'll be home soon, so hang up. Okay. So long, boss. So long. Oh, say, Rochester, I've got good news for you. The next time we go duck hunting, you won't have to swim out for him. I'm buying a dog to do it. Thanks, boss. I was getting tired of chasing that ball anyway. I just did that to keep you in practice. Goodbye. Hmm. Of course, if I buy a dog, I'll have to get a dog house and a license. Sing, Dennis. Then if he bites the mailman, I'll be in trouble. Go ahead, kid. I have to think that over. Ha, ha, ha. 
a Shepherd Serenade sung by Dennis Day. Very good, Dennis, and quite a novel arrangement. Say, Phil, I noticed you put a harp in the orchestra for Dennis's number. And the harpist is a most attractive young lady. Yeah, she goes with my guitar player. Oh, the harpist and your guitar player. Is it serious? Nah, they're just stringing each other. Ha, 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 it's a Lulu. <laughs> oh, Chris, still love. Mmm. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our drama of the gridiron entitled, We Can't Lose. Or, We Can't, eh? <laughs> the scene is Flatfoot College in the town of France. The first half has just ended in the annual game with Meatball Tech. And Coach Flash Benny is giving his team a pep talk in the locker room. Now, listen, men. In this next half, we've got to go out there and fight. You're playing like a bunch of jellyfish. You've been out there 30 minutes, and what's the score? I ask you, what's the score? Notre Dame 7, Northwestern 6. <laughs> That's the trouble with you guys. You're not concentrating on this game. Now, I don't want that portable radio out in the field while we're playing. <laughs> it's confusing. Well, I'm doing the best I can, Coach. Listen, Livy. All during the game, you've been tackling Meatball's quarterback and slapping him in the face. What's the idea? That's Jim. The rat never sends me pretty flowers. <laughs> never mind the romance. Just stick to the game. You said it, Coach. And you, left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle, and center. A fine game you've all been playing. Uh, none of your lip or we'll walk out, won't we, fellas? You're darn right. Yes. You said it. <laughs> And you, Dave. Yes, Coach? Every time you get the ball, you fall down. Why don't you run? I keep tripping over the lace on my pants. You're wearing the wrong one. <laughs> now, look, men. We've still got a chance. The game isn't over. All we got to do is get rolling. Why, the score is only... Only... Sixty-five to nothing. Sixty-five to nothing? Hey, when did we get a nothing? <laughs> we started with that. Now, come on, men. I'm going to play with you this next half and show you something about football. We'll win this game or my name ain't... Poison! Well, here we are, folks. The score is Meatball 65, Flatfoot nothing, and the second half is about to begin. Meatball is already on the field, and here comes Flash Benny and his Flatfoot team. to those cheers, folks. There must be 18 people here today. There's more than that on the team. Oh, go shoot a pigeon. Those were ducks. <laughs> Darn that guy. Now, men, we've got nothing to worry about. I'll call the signal. Dave will carry the ball and crash through for a touchdown. Who, me? Yes, you. We're depending on you, Dave. You're the best player on the team. That gives you an idea, folks. <laughs> All right, men, let's go. Here we go, folks. Meatball's about to kick off. Flatfoot's lining up to receive. And there's the whistle. <laughs> well, there's the boat, the Catalina. 
On your toes, men. Well, there's my boat, folks. So I'll now turn the microphone over to that famous sports announcer, Mr. Raymond Radcliffe. Thanks, Captain Henry. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Raymond Radcliffe speaking. Oh, fine. I will now describe the last period of this swelling football classic. Classic? Lefty Ranfield of Meatballs making the kick. And there goes the ball. West Benny of Flatfoot receives the ball on his own 30-yard line and is nailed in his flat. Well, I didn't make much gain that time, fellas. But how can I with a fur ball? Your toupee fell on it. Oh. All right, men, this time we'll pull our famous hidden ball play. You know how it goes, uh, Dave? No, hum a little of it. It means that you carry the ball. Now, come on, men, line up. This is our chance. Signal. Hey, Wilson, pull in your left tackle a little. You're offside. All right, signal. Bounce round. Bring it, friends. Crunch. Hike. Oh. It's a Kawasu play. Flash Benny grabs the ball and relays it to Howard. No, it's to Wilson. Wilson Waddles today. Dave grabs the ball and look at that fellow once. Run, Day, run! Day is crashing through the line. Look at him one, look at him one! It looks like he's off for a touchdown. He's 11 yards from the goal. And what's this? He's tackled. Day is thrown on the free yard line, and he's not doing. Oh, that poor kid. Oh. Oh, my goodness. He's out cold. Look at him laying there. Day, Day, speak to me. Say something. Say something. A twerk at me. Get the license number. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. Play, Phil. This unusual dessert, friends, that's unusually delicious. It's called Hawaiian Sunburst. And a grander-looking, grander-tasting dessert never decorated a table. Picture a brilliant mold of rich red raspberry jello surrounded in a sunburst effect by juicy wedges of golden Hawaiian pineapple. Sounds mighty good, doesn't it? And nothing could be easier to make. Simply dissolve a package of Jell-O imitation raspberry flavor in one and one-half cups of hot water. Then add one-fourth teaspoon of salt and one-half cup of the juice from the canned pineapple slices. Chill in individual molds, and in serving, circle each mold with a wedge-shaped piece of canned sliced pineapple. Now, most grocers are featuring canned pineapple and raspberry Jell-O all next week. So get them both tomorrow and treat the family to this swell, distinctive dessert. Just remember to enjoy this dessert at its best. Be sure to use Jell-O. Because only Jell-O's new locked-in flavor gives you all the flavor, always. This is the last number, I mean the last number of the seventh program in the current Jell-O series. And we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. I want to wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Say, Mary, I'm having a big Thanksgiving dinner Thursday at my house. Would you like to join us? Who's coming? Well, there'll be Robert Taylor and Barbara Sandwick and Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, Mr. and Mrs. Henry Fonda, and the Fred McMurrays, and, uh, and maybe Moe Lee. Him, you're sure of. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> You know how delicious, how downright good Jell-O is. Well, you'll feel just the same way about Jell-O puddings. Three luscious, creamy puddings that are made by the same people who make Jell-O. 
There's Jell-O butterscotch pudding, simply brimming over with the buttery brown sugar flavor of golden butterscotch. And just as smooth and rich as the homemade kind that Grandma used to make. Yet how easy and inexpensive it is. Tomorrow, when you order Jell-O, ask for Jell-O puddings in all three flavors. Chocolate, vanilla, and creamy golden butterscotch. Jell-O puddings are just like Grandma's, only more so. This is the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company. KFI Los Angeles. The Jack Benny Show is the king of old-time radio. This half-hour variety show first aired in 1932 and lasted until 1955, and in reruns until 1958. The show featured the best long-running gags possibly in all of show business. That just got funnier each time Benny told them. Other than Benny's age, always being 39, another running gag was how awful Jack played the violin, or how cheap he was, or how vain, etc., etc. Benny actually did get his show business start with his lowly violin. He traveled as part of vaudeville shows doing small towns, but he told no jokes, just played music. He enlisted during World War I, he did a gig with a violin to entertain at a function, and completely bombed, so he put the violin away and started telling jokes. This lasted until 1974, and that was the start of the violin bit on his show. After World War I, Benny returned to vaudeville, and he really hit his groove, comedy with a bit of violin thrown in. Thrown in. He rose up to better and better venues. Jack saw radio as being the next big thing, and he left his fairly lucrative vaudeville act when NBC and Canada Dry offered him a show in 1932. The show moved to CBS, back to NBC, and found its time slot at 7 p.m. Sunday nights in 1934, and there it lasted for over 20 years. The basic format of the show was pretty simple. Jack Benny would be the host, tell some jokes, introduce some musical acts, have a comedy sketch, more music, and a dramatic reading involving a few cast members. He would introduce different characters to either help deliver his punchlines or as actors in the dramatic plays. The dramatic reading would either be a really dramatic piece, horribly butchered for comedy, or just a comedy sketch. The Jack Benny Show featured a great range of side characters all playing off of Jack and each other. Benny's wife, Sadie Marks, played the role of Mary Livingston on the show. The African-American comic, Eddie Anderson, played the character Rochester. Originally, Rochester was supposed to be a one-shot appearance, but he worked so well and the audience just loved him, he became a regular. Many others came in and out during the show's long run. A lot of the success of the show can be attributed to how Jack ran the show. He would search around for the right people going through different band leaders and musicians or actors until he found someone who fit the mood he was trying to create. Then he would let them develop their own time, and own their own time. He would often play the straight man to let others get the big laughs or become a peripheral character to share the spotlight. He would let others have a great running gag or tagline. He gave his writers and, and cast good salaries and often did charity performances. And he was vain, yet somehow in a self-deprecating manner. He seemed to know that it was all a joke, but that the audience was in on the joke. The show gets better the more you listen to it. Jack Benny was the master of comedic timing and the running gag. Each time he pokes fun at how cheap he is, it just gets funnier, and you know it's coming, and you wait for it, wait for it, and then each time Benny delivers. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.